If you're planning a church right now in 2020, what do you need to know about the digital space? Jeff Reed and I talk about it. It's the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, and I'm with Megan. And Megan... Megan, you still you wanted you said that you had something really important to share with us this morning. This is something we all need to be aware of, and we all need to know. And write down your notebooks right now. Take your notebook out, get a pen or a pencil if you need to erase things, and write down the answer to this question: What is the national animal of Scotland? The national an- animal of Scotland. Hmm. Like ours was almost the turkey, and it's the eagle. Was it really almost the turkey? Yeah, for sure. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that wanted it to be the turkey. Is that why we pardon a turkey at Thanksgiving? I don't. I don't. I think that was more of a marketing ploy. Okay. But (laughs) the national animal of Scotland. I don't ever think about the national animal of America, much less other countries. Is it the kangaroo? It is a unicorn. What? I'm not even joking. Google it right now. <laughs> Animal of Scotland is a freaking unicorn. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Way to I pick a to fantasy see. creature for your national creature. Oh Can my I... gosh. Are you serious? Yes. I'm so serious. Google it. It's real. I, it's a, I need to move to Scotland. <laughs> okay. I'm Googling that right now. That is not, that can't be real. That can't be real. Is right. right. It is national, the national. It's a national symbol. Animal of Scotland. All right, come on, internet, don't fail me. Unicorns. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they're so majestic. Look at these pictures. I know. <laughs> What's they're- great is they like. No matter what, there will never be a photograph of the national animal of Scotland. They will all be artist renderings. Because that's like all there is. Once existed. <laughs> you think they once existed? I'd like to believe that. You'd like to? Yeah. They just didn't make it on the ark, huh? They, yeah. Something happened. Something went awry. <laughs> and God didn't, God didn't allow them Gosh. to get onto the ark. Or, I don't know. That's, that was a dark path my brain was going down. Yeah, man, all of these, all of these pictures could be on the side of an 80s van. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, it's just the most colorful airbrushed thing you've ever seen. Like a spray painted t-shirt? Yeah. (laughs) The only pictures are of statues or of, oh, I think this is a carnival ride. Um, Well, I hope everyone's life is significantly better now, knowing. Here's a photo. National animal of a country. Here's a photo of a horse with the worst Photoshop job of a of a horn attached to its forehead. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, here's one under a beautiful waterfall. Oh, here's the unicorn with the with the Scottish flag. Okay. This is nuts. Here's a unicorn that's dabbing. So that's that's fun. That was so two years ago. You need to get one sneezing now. So here's another photo that says Scotland's national animal, but it's a very blurry photo of what appears to be a plesiosaur, which is what Lockie was with the Loch Ness monster. Mm, see, also, now I would have that seems more like Scotland I, to me. Yeah, I would think that the that that might be more the 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 national anthem. If you're gonna animal. choose a mythical creature, yeah, Loch Ness and and, and that one could have existed at some point. So could a unicorn, bro. No, come on. <laughs> Why not? There is a, oh, basically a unicorn. It's interesting though that the the narwhal exists. I mean, so that's that's kind of like if you don't know what that is, a narwhal, a narwhale, however you say it. Um sea. the unicorn of the sea. Right? A huge whale with a giant unicorn horn sticking straight out of its forehead. All you gotta do is combine that with a horse and an eagle. Mm-hmm. And you've got a unicorn. <laughs> You're thinking of a Pegasus that has the wings. Like, Pegasus has can fly. Unicorns can't fly. Pegasus can fly. Right, and the and the Pegasus does the pe- This is a weird conversation I never thought we'd have. But is is does the Pegasus have a, a horn? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> okay, 
Well, maybe the, a Pegasus has wings, but not a horn. A unicorn has a horn, but not wings. And everyone here is dumber now. So we're... we're, we're all share that fun fact of the day, and you'll be the life of your party. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Good fun fact. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. She was like, I have a fun fact to share when we start. And I go, what is it? She goes, I don't know. I'll, I'll just I'll just tell you when when we get live. It's like, okay, I trust you. That was worth it. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> All right. Well, today uh, on the podcast, I have a friend of mine named Jeff Reed. And Jeff works with Stadia. It's a church planting organization. And he handles digital for that side. And he also runs the uh, church.digital podcast. Uh, he's on staff at uh, a, a church in Florida, in Miami, uh, to handle um, the digital side of things and church planting. And um, I'll give him a proper introduction when we get into the interview, but um, Jeff handles is really passionate about seeing the church go online to reach people in the online space, not, and not even to the point where it's, Hey, let's go online and try to get them to show up at our church. It is a serious, like we're going online to reach them online and have relationship there online. So it's, it's very enclosed. I mean, that's kind of, of a controversial position. Would he would he classify himself as like an like an online pastor? I think he's I think he honestly would classify himself as an online church planter. Okay. Yeah, and well, this is going to be interesting conversation. Yes, it is. Uh, we're we're trying to come at it like from two sides on this conversation. Is what does that even look like? Is one, and the other is um, if you are planting a church. You know, and if you're not ready to go that far with it, you know, um, you're planting a physical church. What kind of digital footprint do you really need? What kind of digital uh, strategy do you need to help you launch and plant a church? So he's kind of got his foot in both those worlds. So we talk about both those things here and kind of go back and forth through the whole conversation on those things. So if you're a church planter, you're a pastor, somebody that's in the, uh, in the church planting world, it's really a beneficial conversation to listen in on. And if you are thinking my church needs to really invest more in the digital space, is that valid? Also very valid and very helpful conversation. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. It sounds it's, this isn't a very important conversation to have. It's something that applies to all of us, mm-hmm. whether we're, even if we're not online, it's just, information that we need to be aware of and know like what's happening. Yeah, I agree. And I think that whether your position is to agree or not, it's, it's one of those conversations that you need to have and you need to just kind of have a, an opinion on and understand at least what's going on because the, as the world moves more towards the digital space, you know, churches that are finding ways to see how can we navigate in that are going to be the ones that are going to reach people where they are today, which is online most of the time. And the ones that say, we're not going to do that. We're not going to even talk about it. We're not even going to pay attention to it. I think you're going to miss some real opportunity there. So you got to figure out a way. you say that who fails to be online may eventually be like the unicorn of churches? <laughs> I don't know. May, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, hmm. may, I think I think the churches that are online doing this are the unicorns right now. Um, now, yes, yeah. I would agree. And I think guys like Jay Cranda at Saddleback he he focuses on this exclusively as the online church space. He is an online pastor. They have small groups that meet all over the country for Saddleback that are online only, and he manages those relationships and that that ministry, and that's his job. Um, so I have a, I had a conversation with him on the podcast about it, um, sometime last year. I'll put that in the show notes for this one that you can go listen to that too, as well, if you're interested. So, um, but, but Jeff has some really incredible things to say and just really great insights, things I haven't thought about. And just kind of, I got to pick his brain and see where this is kind of going, uh, from someone that's right there in the thick of it. So, so it's really great. Well, let's get to the conversation. I'm excited to bring Jeff on and, uh, you know, he's fellow friend and nerd in all kinds of ways too. So, uh, uh, we have a good time with it. And, uh, this is Jeff Reed from Stadia and, uh, in the church.digital podcast. So you guys enjoy, enjoy it. You get the show notes at sethmuse.com slash 117. And, uh, here's my interview with Jeff.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Jeff Reed, and Jeff is the director of digital church planting at Stadia Church Planting and Multisite. He's the director of campuses at, uh, at Campus Ministry at Christ Journey Church. Uh, he's also the host of the Church Digital Podcast, which you can find at the the, the church.digital. And uh, he's a nerd at heart. We love him. He hates Baby Yoda, puppies, and flowers. Welcome, my guest, Jeff Reed. How's it going, man? I do not hate puppies. <laughs> I love puppies. Game. Puppies are awesome. But the other two More are fair game. Puppies. Everything else is completely true. <laughs> and, and I do so much, like you can't even pronounce it. You can't even get it out of your mouth without screwing. It is crazy around here. And man, uh, Seth, I have loved, uh, <laughs> thank you for welcoming me on the podcast. Love being here. Looking forward to the conversation. Me too, man. And and I'm glad we could connect on this. We, If you haven't, yeah, check out the Nerd Pastors podcast. We had Jeff on there recently with me and Justin Nava, and uh, we were talking about Baby Yoda and Mandalorian and a bunch of nerdy stuff. But if you're into that, that's a great podcast to check out. But uh, also check out Jeff's podcast. Very helpful and not as dumb as mine. <laughs> so uh, not not as much <laughs> stupidity going on over there. But uh, that's a great podcast. Uh, it, but we did have an interesting discussion on Baby Yoda. You should check that out. Uh, but anyway, Jeff, tell it. Let's let's get to know you just a little bit. Okay, a lot of things going on. Church planting's a big deal for you. Digital church, big deal for you. What does kind of a day in your life look like these days? Yeah, awesome, Seth. I mean, at this point, really, my life is a hodgepodge of dancing from one thing to another to another. Uh, with Stadia, we're in the process any given day of of meetings and conversations, and really starting to develop a new model of church. You know, w- when you look at church today, there's different models. There's the um, the mega church, the the giga church, there's there's church plants, there's small churches, there's micro churches, there's a house church network and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's like more of a traditional church, more charismatic, um, a you know a very high church ecclesiology as a composed compared to more of a of an individual. And so all these things are different models of church. And, and, and it's funny, when you look at churches that are trying to do things, broadcasting their physical services online, you know, you're calling that a church online type of thing, but really it's just mirror imaging this this physical model of ministry that's happening yeah. at any given campus, and you're, and you're moving that into um, into a virtual space. And that, that can work. I mean, I'm one of my other jobs that you mentioned with Christ's Journey, it's a multi-site church down here in Miami, and I'm essentially interim director of campuses. I oversee all the campus pastors and basically I'm part of the strategy team helping the church kind of do its ministry. Mm-hmm. But when we're looking at moving that into an online space, honestly, it's, you know, and I hate to ask this question, and sometimes people get mad at me when I, when I say this as a statement, but really, if, if I'm trying to like impact someone's life via online technology, a 40-minute sermon is not the best way to do it. There's no. other ways to really dig in and have an impact with somebody through virtual technology. Right. Yet, through our physical campuses, we're doing the 40-minute sermon, which is awesome, but that doesn't necessarily translate over. Yeah. And so, and we're, we're seeing that so shift. With Stadia, we're we're yeah, we're we're literally reimagining from the ground up. What is the biblical model? What does the Bible call us, the church, to? Okay, now that we have that ecclesiology, now that we have those biblical standards. How do we represent that in a digital-only environment? Yeah. So, you know, when we use the phrase digital church, uh, we are not talking about, you know, a physical church broadcasting their services online. Mm -hmm. Um, We are talking about a church that holistically exists in virtual space with an option of possibly, but not required to, move into physical space. Yeah. So can we... That is definitely... Can we create a church... Yeah. And and that is definitely what some of the issue is, is, is that, that physical presence required. That's always part of the, the definition is, is what does it mean in 2020 for the, for the church to gather together? You know, that, what does that look like? And traditionally, obviously it means to be together in person, but today it's like, can we have that in a digital arena is the debate. That's the question. I tend to think that I, I'm, I don't want to go full in and say yes, totally, but I'm close to that, you know, cause I think there's an element 
of, of face-to-face that's valuable. But I'll be honest, like when I go to church sometimes, you know, especially at a larger church, I get this, this is very difficult. You go in and there is no connection there. I mean, there's no physical face-to-face that matters other than just, Hey, how you doing? And it's very superficial. Um, and so can I, I tend to, to really get to know people online. I mean, that's just kind of where I live most of the day. And until I'm Facebook friends with you or Instagram followers with you, I don't really feel like I know you that well. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah. I mean, if if you look at the biblical, I'm actually right now, I'm going through Acts. We're reading chapter by chapter Acts, uh, basically over six months with with a group of online pastors. And, and, and it's fun because in this process, we're learning more of what the biblical church was. The biblical church, the church of Acts, they met daily. Oftentimes, many times through the chapters, we're hearing they met daily. They gathered together daily. They were doing ministry daily. Paul was speaking daily in in the synagogues. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. the one hour on Sunday tent pole, and maybe if we're lucky, another hour gathered together in a house. There there was a a daily commune, a, a community that that was engaged from that. Um, and and, I, and I'm not suggesting that you know. And I would love to be part of a church that let's sell everything and give to the poor. And there's even challenge as we're looking at the biblical church, how do we even do this in, in, in 2020? Mm-hmm. But this idea of using the technology to stay connected, uh, to use it to empower individual conversations, to lead towards disciple-making, discipleship movements, um, online technology is far better at recreating some of that things. Really, the physical becomes the lid. Yeah. Oftentimes, physical churches are, are afraid of the online because it's taking away from what's physical. But, but truthfully, online, if it's embraced, raises the roof, the limits of what you can do with ministry. <laughs> Jeffrey just said to raise the roof, by the way. Uh, just did did you up. get that? I, I like said, that. He said that, raise the put, roof. Put that as your social media tag. That'll be awesome. <laughs> raise the roof. I'm but, literally doing the like hand thing right now, but, but this is an audio <laughs> podcast. So. Well, I, I hear it. Like, you raise a good point because um, what you say, from what I can understand, is that, um, if I, I'm correct here, we've kind of quantified success as a church as the physical gathering together, almost like we're not doing, we're not doing discipleship, right. We're not doing evangelism, right. We're not doing church, right. If we don't physically get together, um, basically defining the words, discipleship, evangelism, worship, gathering, all those things as an act rather than as the goal, I guess, like the goal is discipleship having that in whatever ways we have it is good rather than just you have to have it here in this one way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a point where the one hour on Sunday in the average church across America is, is the definition of whether the church is successful or not. Yes. Um, what did attendance go? I mean, I just forgive me. I, I'm such a practical theology guy. Um, even as I'm wrestling with the ecclesiology of what biblical church is, like I lean much more towards the practical aspects as opposed to the academia. I'm yeah. not the seminary student. I just looked at it. I was like, yeah, I'm not interested yeah. because I, I want to get more in people's lives, not do the bookworm stuff. So from a, from a very practical standpoint, you know, he, here's where we are. The one hour on Sunday, the average church across America is is the definition of whether it's successful or not. You know, mm-hmm. on our podcast, we, we joke about butts and seats all the time. Uh, nickels and noses is, is, is another phrase that you often yeah. hear. You know, how, how much money came in and, and how many noses were in the room. Okay, cool, that went up. Yay, we're successful. Um, but, but what's happening is, is that the physical buildings we have are losing its influence. I don't know if, if you're like, you know, maybe you listening audience out there. The average church in America had an awful Christmas. Numbers were dropping like crazy, and, and it's really? part of a, a larger trend because the— um, the culture Christianity, the people who 20 years ago, my wife used to sell um, insurance and was involved in, in like, um, you know, that, that sort of brokers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and her boss told her, go be part of, the, of one of the largest churches in town. Go become a member there and sell all your stuff within there. Like We were strong Christians. We weren't interested in doing that. Yeah. And actually, that was like the catalyst that made my wife change careers. Wow. But even today in 2020, like 
the influence of, oh, go sell your, you know, junk over here. Go be part of this because of some secular benefit. Like, they're not interested. They're not coming in. Mm-hmm. 37% of people, this is a LifeWay stat, and this is from 2016, so this is even an old LifeWay stat. 37% of people are interested in coming to your church building because they want to learn something about spirituality. They are interested in coming to you, to your church building, to gain spiritual insight. 37%, that's one out of three. Yeah. That's a very low percentage. Mm-hmm. 80 of, 80% of people will have a conversation about faith with their friends if they see that faith is important to their friends. The building isn't the vehicle we should be doing the evangelism. We should be growing and developing and discipling our people to the point where they're able to have those conversations with their friends. Right. Um, Regardless which of is why there was a building. Cor- Oh, yeah, which is why, you know, at Christ's Journey right now, I'm sitting down with the campus pastors, and I, I'm literally saying, I'm not sure we're going to do this for real, but, dude, you're no longer a campus pastor. You're a community pastor. I'm not interested in you pastoring in the building. I'm interested in you being a pastor outside of the building, because the people in your community are the where we need to engage people. They're not coming into the building. We've got to go outside. Yeah. And now what's interesting, and really the, the challenge with the digital church— is I, I want to see people um, be empowered to reach their digital community for Christ. Yeah, you know, I, I can tell you stories. There's a guy named Jate Earhart who is an avid video gamer, like addicted to this stuff, and he's a strong Christian. And he had this crazy idea, and and you're a technological um, audience here, and, and Seth, I know you know this, but like Discord is a similar thing to Zoom or WhatsApp, and, mm-hmm. and, and so it's a thing, but it's it's like addicted to, video gamers are like all over this platform, using it for text communication, video communication, stuff like that. So Jake decides, hey, I'm I'm gonna like create this channel for um for Christian video gamers. 650 people join his channel, people he doesn't know, all over the world. And so they're sitting around, they're Christians, they're talking about video games, this is great. Um, so Jake says, hey, I, I want to maybe step this up a little bit. What if we actually did, like, church in here? And, and so he starts to, to do some different things, but, but he realizes while he's trying to do church, he's like, there's no, there's no lost people in here, it's only Christians. Let's train people to go outside um, and, and utilize video games to witness. So he's playing, he's telling me this story, he's playing like an 8-12 hour uh, Xbox Live campaign of um, uh, Destiny 2 is this particular story. Oh and in the middle of this 12 hour campaign, he's playing with four different guys that he doesn't know and talking to them you know, on the headset deal. Well, lo and behold, over the course of one of these campaigns he plays, he leads one of these kids to Christ. I'm playing a freaking video game. <laughs> he leads a kid to Christ. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and so the kid gets connected back into the discipleship ministry. He's meeting with regular small groups. But Jake, through his passion of video games, starts connecting with people within the virtual community. Right. And then, in, and then getting them connected into a disciple-making relationship so that this guy can go forward and have... That same conversation with others yeah. as well. That's incredible. And, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this one uh, Instagram account that I follow called uh, Insta Church Live. They do church on their Instagram channel live with worship, teaching a lot. Like they have services, I think almost every day, where they're doing church type stuff to reach people through that platform. And that's the place. You know, that's that's the kind of creative reaching out into the place where people already are. This is the new marketplace that Paul went into, right? This is like the new Areopagus of of the of Athens where Paul went and talked to them about the statue of the unknown god in Acts 17. This is the digital world is that place now. You know, for for pastors and leaders and churches to reach out into that. Um and mm-hmm. so it kind of looping back to, you know, what you're doing with with church planting as well to start a church today. Um, it's, it's, it's both easy and terrifying, easier and terrifying, more terrifying, more difficult and easier at the same time somehow because of this situation, I think, uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. And I'll just tell you this quick story before, uh, before we do, when we were launching a new campus at my last church, um, 
we did not have a physical building. And so for a year, I had trained the guy who was going to be the campus pastor, his name was Mike, to uh, basically run a Facebook group. And we added people from this area that the campus was going to launch. We already had people in our church that came from there. So we used them, get in that group, tell their friends. The group went from 187 to 1,000 in about eight months before we launched. And we launched with 1,200 people showing up. And I think it was because of this one day, Mike, as he was leaving my office after training about Facebook, a Facebook group, he, it was so cool too, man. I gotta tell you, it was just like a super cool hero moment, kind of superhero moment. He, he goes to my door and stops in the doorway. So he's silhouetted in a really cool way. You know, he, <laughs> he, he half turns back and looks over his shoulder without looking directly at me, you know, very video game, very anime style. And he goes, until I have a building, this group is my campus, isn't it? And I said, yep. And he went, got it. And he walked out the door. And from then on, he proceeded to just really invest in that, in the people in that group. And when they launched, it's like, we've been following you. We know you, we have this. And so it was like real relationships started before they were face-to-face. Yeah. And I think that's something so, that, that churches have to pay attention to as we go into this next era. So I'd love to know, like when you're starting a church or you're, you got people planting churches, digitally speaking, what do they need to know? Like where, where should they really start there? Yeah. So the, the story you told of your friend with the Facebook group, that is awesome. And that's literally similar conversations that I'm having uh, with Stadia church planners. Stadia is planted historically over a thousand churches. It took about 17 years for the first thousand and they're hockey sticking up radically at this point. They're going to plant another thousand churches over the next three years. And then after that, it's a thousand plus. Mm, wow. And you're right. Like churches are very expensive. Like even state who's, I, I think overly cautious when it comes to how they're spending money. Um, but you know, they're looking at, you know, I've, I've had a buddy of mine here locally that spent, and this isn't through Stadia, it's through another organization. Uh, but he tried the best church here, um, in, in Miami. Uh, my friend here dropped 350, almost 400, thousand dollars in less than a year uh to plant this one church uh opening day he had 350 people show up or 300 people show up and he was crazy excited and it was a huge win week two he had 150 people Mm. he was cautiously optimistic but it felt like a solid crowd third group third week he had 50 Mm. as it trended more and more down as we got to six nine months in he ended up shutting that thing down under a year oh, with man. less than 16 people huddled around a, a living room. Like the the model just kind of tanked out. And, and, and a lot of it was because he didn't have that solid core community in, in place because he wasn't taking advantage, one of many reasons, but he wasn't taking advantage of a lot of these tools that you're talking about with with yeah. social media and groups and even like utilizing the the Zoom in order to 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 gather the the leadership together and have some of those core meetings and over communicate with things. Yeah. Because as you're casting vision to people, they need to understand the why of that. And if you're not taking advantage of, of that, um it's very difficult. I'm in a similar situation over at uh, at Christ Journey. Um you know, as as we're we're in the process of launching um, a, a physical church campus um, in an area, honestly, where there hasn't been many successful churches. Like other pastors have told me, "Why are you going there? That's the place where churches go to die." Like that's a mm. that's a direct quote from from people that have, that have been in the in the area. And so, you know, we went in very um, aggressive, maybe a little overly aggressive. We're going to building. If you build it, they will come. And and we, yeah. you know, we took this. This, this aggressive strategy. And you know what happened? They didn't come. Mm-hmm. And, and so we had to refocus our strategy a little bit and move towards, okay, so we want to connect with the people in this area. We're going to not do what we typically do, and, and we're going to look at it more like a mission field. And, and this area really became a mission field where we were training people to go over there um, and evangelize and have those one-on-one conversations instead of building, um, you know, turning this massive school into a a glorious 
portable campus with all the backdrops and technology and everything. It's maybe we need to go in here and set up a couple like, um, you know, micro locations, uh, you know, maybe set up in a restaurant or a bar or, you know, um, or just an online space. Yeah. A a virtual space to create some groups and and have a more centered thing towards broadcasting services in, um, you know, maybe even how we're serving locally. Um, it's not, serving a building and cleaning out a school as much as it is, who can we meet in this process uh, and build relationships with? Yeah. Cause when you start, you know, it's, you start and, talking and so about it physical a, space, focus. when you start talking about the physical space, you're talking about a ton of money, you know, yeah. not just, not even just rent, but like if you're owning a place, uh, the upkeep, the air conditioning, the heating, the, you know, lights, keep even the lights on the rental, you know, the payments, all those things are a huge chunk of church budgets. And when you're just starting out, that's that could break you, you know. That that could just keep that just shut your doors, um, even on its own. So if you're thinking about online, and the expense there is so microscopic, to to develop a core. So if a church is thinking about, hey, we want to get started, we want to get out there, we want to really develop this core before we ever tar- start talking about physical locations or anything, what would you suggest to them to do? Like, how would they get started in this digital space to really start developing these core relationships? Um, yeah, I, I would start with, um, you know, create some Facebook groups, um, connect with people in the area, start to engage even virtually, um, you know, things like Facebook ad campaigns, things like um, um, uh, create some virtual meetups, engage with Facebook communities that are already existing. Uh, it was was funny the other day. I was actually trying to think about. It's talking about digital church. I'm like, what is the worst Facebook group online that somebody could join? Like, what's the most awkward? <laughs> what's the weirdest one Facebook group that's out there that somebody could join and be like, I want to start to build relationships here Man. to the point that we could build a church. I think I saw and, a commercial uh, you, for it the other day. It was the Kazoo Player ones. I think Facebook put a commercial out for that. Oh, I I got a better one than Kazoo Players. Oh, are you serious? Um. Yeah, so lover of Comic Sans font. There, there is a Facebook group. You can Google it, find it, or Facebook it, find it, search it. But as I recall, thousands of people are fans of the lover of Comic Sans font. Oh my gosh. And and, and I kind of I said it, I said it was I was doing a presentation. I said it jokingly, and I was like, what if somebody said, hey, I want to reach the lover of Comic Sans font, and I'm going <laughs> to go out there, and I'm going to reach those people for Christ. Man, they and while it. doing it, maybe teach them some things about basic fontography. They need I'm it. just saying, it's an option. <laughs> but, fi- you know, I guarantee this. You know, a church planner that's out there, and I had this conversation recently, find 10 Facebook groups that you can be a part of in the area that you're in. Uh, maybe it's a, a dog lovers pup club. Maybe it's a lover of Baby Yoda Club. Maybe it's a hater of Baby Yoda Club. Yeah. But find the ones that are within that region um, and connect, meet, and engage with people there. The great thing about the online tools is you can connect with them wherever they are. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges that I had to my friend who dropped away too much money and his church crashed and burned is, like my takeaway from watching this happen in real time is, man, I wish my friend would have been able to like connect with these people in advance. Because honestly, you know, a lot of the way that he presented himself, truthfully, he didn't fit contextually in in the difficult melting pot of what Miami is. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like lesson learned. Maybe the guy felt a calling for here, but it wasn't legitimate. And if he was able to, you know, do a little testing thing, get connected with some groups and realize, wow, like 90% of this audience speaks Spanish and I... I don't know Spanish, so maybe I should re- reconsider. Yeah, maybe so. There's things contextually that you can learn about the areas you're getting into from these groups. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that finding stuff that's already happening is a great way to start any kind of real movement in your community. Because it, if you come in and say, hey, I'm going to do something in your community for you, and you, and especially if you don't hit, like, like apparently your friend did not, um, you can really come off as you can really ruin things in the future too. Um, you can yeah. really seem like uh, entitled, not entitled. What's the word? Arrogant. Um, you know, but like, we're going to come and save you. You're welcome. 
you know, that kind of, it, it, how it kind of feels sometimes. And, uh, you know, I think getting involved and just being part of that community is honestly kind of a lost art in the physical church's world today. I, I feel like yeah. churches want to be part of the community. Um, but I, for whatever reason, don't, you know, the people are, but as a church organized, are we doing something? Are we physically trying, literally trying to get involved? I don't think we know how to do it anymore. And I think this might be the way in, you know, this is the way yeah. for your, your leadership to go in as themselves, not as the church, but just go in and be part of this and, and make those connections in this digital space. Yeah. We created, uh, through Christ's journey, cause we really, you know, a part of me being with the team, it's how do we, um, re-strategize? How do we refocus? Because they were just realizing like, the way that we're they're used to doing things, the way Christ Journey is used to doing things, wasn't wasn't working, and, and and where we landed was this new simple strategy of number one, meet people, number two, yeah. connect with them in community, number three, as the Spirit leads, share, and and honestly, like that order is completely different than what happens at a physical church. Mm-hmm. At a physical church today, we almost share Christ up front through an evangelical service before we even know who the people are. We invite them into something through an invite card, and before we even really get to know who they are or engage them in conversation or listen, we're sharing Christ with them, and they may be receptive, or they may be, you know what, like, you don't even care enough to talk with me, they're they're heading out the door disengaged because they don't have any relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And so... Focusing more towards, you know, the engagement, and we, uh, Seth, you and I had this conversation. It was one of my favorite podcasts of 2019 that we recorded over at the Church Digital Podcast. Engages, listen. It's it's not talk. It's yeah. it's listening to it. I had a guy tell me the other Absolutely. day in this comment. I told him I, I was I was like, Steve, I'm going to tattoo your name on my body just because this quote's that good. <laughs> it's better to ask a question than make a statement. Yes. And in the context of, of how we as a church operate, whether physical or, or, or virtual, and definitely in the virtual sc- scope, it's much better to ask questions. Absolutely. And, and utilize that leading to allow people to engage in conversation that leads to or towards uh, a deeper understanding of Christ. And to be honest, this is the model that Jesus gave us. I mean, his, his MO was to even answer a question with a question. He, he was a question guy. He was not a statement guy. There's a few moments where he's recorded preaching and, and then the rest of the time he's talking to people. And a lot of times he asks them questions. He is not saying, here's what you do until he has already asked them something. And I think that, that when you look at churches, even take their social media, digital strategy, whatever that is, it is a say things, say things, say things strategy and never a shut up and listen, pay attention, ask questions strategy. And when you start thinking about social media, it's more about, aren't we cool? Aren't we great? Look at how good we are. Here's what we have for you. Here's what you need to do. And people are exhausted with that because so many things in their life are doing that to them now. And so for us as a church to go into these digital spaces and just listen, ask questions, pay attention and have an actual conversation is not only refreshing, but it's engaging. And, and that type of engagement, you cannot buy with a Facebook ad. You know, it is not something you can, you can just pay for and have. And, and, and people start showing up at your church that are, it's like your friend had 300 the first time, 150, then 50. Well, the reason is because there weren't those strong connections. You know, those yep. connections weren't there. Um, and those don't come through a Facebook ad and advertising and marketing as much. And I'm, that's what I do for a living. You know, it's like that. I hate saying that, but it's true. This is simply a way to tell people about something great. You have to be the one there to engage personally. And I think for churches to embrace that kind of listening digitally is going to be a way in. Um, So regardless of what they think about, should we have a digital only space for church? You know what? You already kind of do. If you are in those spaces, it's a digital space and you can do real ministry there real relationship building there. It, it blows my mind that churches don't even want to, you know, when, when there's just like a, not even, I don't even want to think about it like that. Like, well, others are. And if you're not going to build those relationships with them, somebody else is. 
Yeah, I, I got to the place, um, and, and I openly confess uh, here to this podcast and your listeners, uh, maybe this isn't the right approach. Maybe this is sin in my life, and if you think it is, humbly, I'm open to conversation. Hit me up. I'm sure my info will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I no longer care uh, about the people who say this is not church. Like, I, I just, I, I got to the place of, the world is creating community here, mm-hmm. and, and we can either live in our brick-and-mortar buildings with steeples and call this the only existence of church, and, and be be excluded from the conversation of, of what community is virtually, losing out and missing the people that will connect in a virtual community before they'll connect or set foot in your physical building. We can either miss out on that because a couple people are being overly negative, and a couple's an overstatement. There's a lot of people. Yeah. But ultimately, uh, you know, I, I had said, and this is truth, uh, president of Stadia, his name's Greg Nettle. Um, I, I was doing a, I was, before I accepted the job, I was out there and they flew me out to uh, Colorado. We were doing a, uh, basically a blue sky dreaming about what it is. Um, and, and he looked at me and he says this, Jeff, I believe it's a sin if we, the church, don't utilize digital technology for Christ. I believe it's a sin if we don't do digital church. Mm. And, and, and I looked at him and I'm like, hey, that's a, that's a powerful statement. Are you, 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 sure you, you sure you believe that? You sure you're buying in? And he's like, wholeheartedly, it is, I believe it's a sin. We are going to be held accountable to God if we don't do this. Wow. And, and I, for one, I'm like, I agree with everything you just said. And I agree with this principle of, I, I'm no longer am I going to be the guy who I, I, I have felt in my life that I, I was the church online apologist. And that, yeah, I know it's better in the physical space, but we can do this. And mm-hmm. yeah, you probably we can we can broadcast the services, but no, you're right. We can't we can't really disciple somebody online. That whole premise is so stupid. Like I can tell you guys right now. It was funny. I was having a casual conversation with somebody, and he's like, "Yeah, I meet weekly. I meet with my my best friend from high school in Japan." And we do. We have a discipleship relationship where we're reading through blah blah blah. And, and he starts talking to me about how he meets with his best friend from high school and one of his friends, and they're on another continent. And like that's okay. But no, no, you can't disciple. Well, while the world is saying, while the church, excuse me, while the church is saying, no, you can't do that. Individuals are doing it all the time. My mom leads two online small groups. Has incredibly rich disciple-making relationships. Oh, by the way, she's 73 years old. No way. Like, I'm kind of surprised she can turn on her computer. Uh, she has, you know, worked through, a, she has a very simplified system, but she's on Zoom every Monday night and Sunday night, leading, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 women through different Bible studies. That's amazing. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. And so instead of sitting around and waiting for somebody to give me permission to say, yes, you can, you can do digital church, I'm like, let's just go and support the people that want to do it. Yeah. Let's do something incredibly ridiculous. Let's not even consider the, vir- the physical space, and let's create a model of church that just exists virtually. Yeah, I, th- I think that's— there's Not something- pretend— I think there's something to it. I think there's something to that. You know, when you think about how many times across history have we had to just say, you know what, we could sit here and debate this. We could argue about it, but this is happening with or without us. And, you know, it's like we can sit and go, well, that's not what we call it. You know, that's not church. And I'm not saying this applies to everything, but in this sense, it just seems really silly to me to discount that it could be anything at all and avoid it. And I think, I think that is a strategy of many that is going to be, um, we're going to regret that. And we're going to look back and go, we should have jumped in earlier. We should have tried to figure out a way to use this. Like, even if you can't go as far as, even if listeners can't go as far as you're willing to go on this, you have to admit there's something happening here that you need to pay attention to and your church needs to be involved with. Um, how are you reaching people in the digital space is not a question for those big churches who have lots of resources. It's a question for every church because no matter how big or small your church is, your community, your people are online and there's ways that you can reach them for free. So it's, it's, it's not a question of should we, or should we not really be paying attention here? It's how are we going to be using this space 
What are we going to do with it? How far in are we going to go? And I, I, I tend to lean more towards where you are too. Um, I, I like going to church. I've always gone to church, but I have to understand there are people that are not like me that don't like that. They don't want to do that. They would, would not do that. And they still have questions. They still want to connect. They still want to, you know, talk, but they just don't want to get up on Sundays. They don't want to show up in a physical place. They don't want to deal with the person, people, whatever their reason, whether good or bad, they don't want to do it. And we have to be willing to say, how can we reach those people? At the very least that we should be thinking about that, in my opinion. Um, So that's me. And I think this is a conversation. This is really good to have this so others can spark a conversation with others about this in their church. Because if we're not talking about this, you need to realize if you're not talking about this now, you're already a couple of years behind. Like start the conversation. Um, So on that note, as we wrap up here, Jeff, just what is one piece of advice? Somebody hears this podcast and says, I know we're not really considering this or we're just doing the, we're basically just streaming our services. I don't know how to even start or if we should, what would you suggest to them is a next step for getting down the road here and, and maybe even talking to leadership or uh, talking to their elder board? What, what do they, what should they do next? Simply put, whatever the strategy is of of your church, um, whatever the discipleship strategy is, um, a service which leads to small groups, a baptism membership class, whatever the process is, work to move that to virtual space. Um, if you're if you're creating, uh, if you have a, a membership class that leads to baptism, do that virtually. If that then leads to a small groups to get biblical community, do that as well. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the deal. There's this, there's this myth that, um, and, and some, there's three different types of people that will watch a church online service. They're front door people. These are visitors to your church that have never been to your physical campus. They're checking you out online. There's side door people. Side door people, number two, are the ones who are actively in, involved in your church, uh, but for whatever reason, not coming on, on Sunday. Number three would be, I call them digital door people. The only door they're ever going to walk through are those digitally. Maybe they live next door to your church on the other side of the city or on the other side of the world. Whatever the reason, they're not coming to your physical space, mm-hmm. but they will look for spiritual guidance visu- vi- um, virtually. F- all three of those will benefit from a digital discipleship process. Yeah. So helping your church and your leadership understand, hey, we can reach people as effectively virtually as, as we do physically. Just today, just yesterday, um, we moved our our online pastor to a to a different role, and we, we're calling him digital pastor because I want him to have the freedom to utilize our social media channels, our website. Our mobile app mm-hmm. to shepherd, care for, and pastor people online. And if somebody wants to join an online small group who's active in attending, serving our our broadcast campus, that's awesome. I want that because there are people who can engage and will engage deeper in a virtual than will in a physical. And I would rather people be in a virtual small group than in no small group at all. And so whoever it is, and I'll be honest, the, the two or three small groups that I lead online, I would much rather do them online than haul myself and my kids and my wife halfway across the city to sit in a, in a, in a house with somebody, talk face-to-face, pick up my kids, haul them back home on, on a school night, try to make them shower, and, and get up and, and do yeah. the whole thing again the next day. Yeah. Online small groups is far more convenient. And the fact of, well, maybe it's not as theologically deep, well, that's just a bunch of bull. At the end of the day, they're getting connected into community and a finding and drawing into a deep relationship with Christ, which is what we want. And a discussion about the Bible is a discussion about the Bible. Regardless of, for, of format. Yeah. I mean, we can have that right now. And what the way technology is with the video element, that's part of it. And the way you can do that in real time, the argument for having, I mean, gosh, you pretty much are face to face. You know, it's, it's not super different. Um, except where you physically are. And, you know, in light of that, I always go back to this one scripture. I'll, I'll end us with this. Um, when Jesus encounters the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, 
He asks her for a drink of water, and her response is a theological debate about whether or not they should worship in Jerusalem or where the Samaritans set up their false temple. I think it was Shechem uh, or Shiloh, one of those. Um, But basically, God said to go to Jerusalem, not go where they're going. And they were like, we're not walking all that way. And they decided to stay home. And the Jews hated them Mm -hmm. for it. I mean, it was the ultimate issue between those two people. So Jesus talking to her, that's why that's a big deal. But what he says to her is when she brings that up, he says, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when you will neither worship on this mountain or on that, but they will worship in spirit and in truth. And those are the type of worshipers my father seeks. It is a location neutralizing conversation about where we worship in the first century. And I go back to that and go, what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Can I do that in a digital space? Yes, I can. I think I can. Um, You may not think so out there, but I think you can. And I think Jesus gave permission in that moment for online church right there um, Mm. to take it and to apply it to today, the same principles, because he's telling her that where you physically show up to worship God is not going to matter when I do what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And either that's true or that's not. And to me, that, that seems pretty yeah. simple to me. So I think we end right there, man. I, I, I love this conversation. I really would love to hear what other people have to say on that subject. We've talked, I've I brought Jay Cranda on here before. Uh, go check out that podcast too. We talked about online church. Uh, really great. Um, what do you think about online church? I'd love to hear thoughts. Hit me up at the show notes, sethmuse.com slash 117. Uh, we'll put links to all the things that Jeff is doing there. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show, man. This is always, it's always really great to talk to you, man. Hey, great to hang out with you, Seth. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. My pleasure. And you guys go get those show notes, and we'll be back in another week. So thanks for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. See you later.